Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. Uh, back when uh, America's chief threat was the Soviet Union, it was the Soviet Union and trying to expand its empire and influence the world over, including into the West and handcuff America. They would do so with uh, economic aid and, uh, and weapons. Now are we in a period in 21st, the 21st century world where it is a Sputnik and Sinovac or vaccine diplomacy the, uh, the uh, means by which America's enemies, both Russia, but particularly China, seek to extend their influence in the West. For help in exploring that question and the implications of the answer, pleased to be joined by Cindy Yu. She's broadcast editor and China reporter at The Spectator, also host of The Spectator's Chinese Whispers podcast. Cindy, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hi there. The uh, vaccine diplomacy, the Wall Street Journal had a piece, I know you've written about it in the Spectator, Wall Street Journal, too, taking notice of this over the weekend, talking about uh, how China is trying to position itself as a white knight in the second world and developing world with respect to uh, gifting uh, doses of its vaccine to those countries. And and um, this vaccine diplomacy is not just uh, the Chinese communists' uh, fullness of heart. This is not just a humanitarian effort this is a political one isn't it yes absolutely i think that china is not doing this for humanitarian reasons although of course you know all the regular arguments about the world getting herd immunity faster being good still applies but china is seeing it very much as a soft power uh, potential and we saw this last year with china's ppe diplomacy where it shipped out donations of masks and other gear to countries in need during a global shortage that was, you know, a bit of a mixed result because some of the PPE was found to be substandard. Now vaccines are, you know, the next big thing because Pfizer and AstraZeneca, you know, these big Western companies, they're doing very well, but they're supplying uh, mainly Western countries. And those developing countries who have put orders in probably won't be expecting them until later this year. Um, places like Mexico, for example, started the year having Pfizer vaccines, but then supplies dried up across the world um, and they've had to turn to the Russian vaccine. So it's a great, it's a very powerful diplomatic tool for great powers to be uh, getting their hands into. And the difference, the advantage for China is that it's currently not vaccinating its own people at the breakneck speed that it could be doing, which means that a lot of its vaccines can be exported abroad. Uh, and, and, and you know, this is what uh, China can get away with, so to speak. I mean, this, this idea that they uh, put their citizens in a uh, uh, inferior position to the rest of the world because politics is their aim, not serving 
the Chinese people. Uh, and so this this presents a real challenge for the West, the U.S. and the U.K., as you mentioned in your piece in The Spectators. This is something to worry about is their uh, ability to befriend and establish beach holds in places like South America, which is what the Chinese and the Russians are doing. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I think what's what's interesting about um, the story is that, um, you know, until maybe early February, a lot of people and politicians certainly weren't really talking about it. Obviously, last Friday, we had the G7 conversation where Boris Johnson, the UK prime minister, was talking to Joe Biden and other world leaders about donating vaccines. But until then, the developing world hasn't really on top of the been on top of the Western radar, um, and which has left a gap for China and Russia to slip into. Um, now, when it comes to China not vaccinating its own people, I would say it's a bit of a a more balanced picture than China putting others above its own people. It's more that because of its zero COVID strategy of how strict these border controls are, there is very little COVID in the country, which means that people themselves are not very keen to be ejected with these quite speedily developed jabs anyway. So there's no clamor from the bottom. And I think if there were, China would find itself in a much trickier position with exporting literally hundreds of millions of doses. Okay, so you you just you just nail people in their homes. You should subjugate them, and this is a way where you don't have to uh, hear uh, field complaints or or any uprising for vaccines. As the rest of the world is getting vaccinated, then they they spin their propaganda that uh, we were on the preventative side for our people, and we performed so much better than the Western world, and now we're helping the Western world because you know this is why we're uh, this is why we should uh, you know be the world's global superpower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that um, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, first of all, it's not just propaganda that China is um, has done better in the COVID um, pandemic than maybe perhaps America has, and certainly from my where I sit in London, certainly better than the UK has. Um, if you talk to anyone in China now, they're not at the stage anymore where they're locked in their homes because that strict lockdown happened in the early months of last year. And since then, you know, we saw you presumably saw pictures of the Wuhan pool party, uh, New Year's Eve parties, Chinese New Year migrations. Life is very much back to normal, except people can't really get into the country and people can't really get out. So that's the you know the entire country is in a bubble at the moment, as it but, were. But with which respect, is how, yeah. But with respect to the, uh, what we understand about uh, the incidence of uh, cases and and hospitalizations and deaths, I mean, how much? Can we rely on the data that is being put out by the Chinese Communist government? Sure, it's an incredibly valid question, and I do think that China clearly has been um, manipulating the numbers. You know, when we're looking at Wuhan, uh, in one day the death toll uh, doubled because they changed the way they defined a COVID death, right? So clearly the party has a hand in these numbers. That's definitely true. But if there was a pandemic situation going on in China, you'd hear much more on social media, uh, via hospitals about, you know, this pandemic overwhelming people. Even if you don't diagnose it as COVID, uh, there would be some kind of health crisis. And that's not what we're seeing here. Um, mm. and, that, and that's the thing about this, this pandemic is that even if you're not testing, even if you're not reporting, people are still getting sick, right? So, you know, healthcare officials are still going to see that happening. And uh, we're not seeing that at the moment. Um, um, now, of course, you know, you, you, it could be huge scale asymptomatic infection or whatever it is, but certainly the health system is not being overwhelmed in the same way that it was in Wuhan in January. How did you interpret uh, the WHO pronouncements about uh, where this virus may have started and the suggestion that it was uh, 
unlikely to have originated in that Wuhan virology lab, something that runs counter to what uh, Matt Pottinger, formerly the State Department of the Trump administration, and others have suggested the evidence suggests. Yeah, of course. I mean, in my understanding, this, this is the first of many missions that the WHO intends to carry out in Wuhan in China. And I, you know, I wasn't on the mission, but, you know, there's been some mixed mixed reviews coming out of it. Peter Daszak, who is one of the leading epidemiologists who was on there, claims the Chinese side were very transparent. On the other hand, you've got Dutch scientists who are on the mission who say that they weren't and they tried to foil them at every step. So it's it's very hard to know just how much the Chinese were cooperating. Certainly, we do know that they weren't allowed to go into the Wuhan lab uh, that is in question. Um, but, you know, not being scientists, it's very hard to know why the WHO uh, justified not, you know, how they justified not looking into that lab further uh, based on just genomic data. So that's, you know, that's it's incredibly hard for outsiders to commentate on, unfortunately. Mm. She is Cindy Yu, broadcast editor and China reporter at The Spectator, also host of The Spectator's Chinese Whispers podcast. Cindy, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Political fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show.